You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 46 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. As always, I'm glad that you are joining us, and I'm glad that Matt and Nathan Van Horn are joining us for these 30 minutes of discussing the grand narrative. And before we get started, as always, I want to remind you that if you are not subscribed to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening, go ahead and take a second to do that so that you can tell the algorithm that this content is worthwhile and so that you can be alerted every Tuesday morning of when we drop a new episode and that that works no matter what platform you're listening to, no matter what kind of device you're listening to, except if you're listening in China, which gentlemen, I have terrible news. Uh, this podcast has officially been banned in mainland China. Uh, we are official uh, contraband there. Yes, we were 100, are 100% contraband. And it, according to the email that I got, uh, it was a manual flag, which means that some Chinese minister in the government somewhere, looked at our podcast and said, nah, and chose to block us off. Well, there and, you go. Uh, look at that great nation. So I apologize to our many Chinese listeners <laughs> that I'm, sh- I'm sure are listening to us right now. We're not listening to us right now. So, I was say, I wouldn't be being... so sure they're listening. <laughs> 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 All right. So that being said, uh, last week we left off talking about... Um, uh, what did Ham do? That's probably what we should have named the episodes in general. What, what did Ham mm. do? Yep. And we kind of landed, if I'm recalling correctly, we kind of landed on a, an explanation there. But uh, Matt, as you said before we left off, you were talking about how this was going to um, this was going to color our uh, our view of the story going forward. So I imagine that's what we're going to be talking about this week. So we live in an age of conspiracy theories. So everybody's got a theory. A guy I used to work with was really into the JFK conspiracy theory stuff. In fact, uh, he, I know he listens to this podcast. He's a pastor friend of mine. But um, anyway, that Time stuff out, is JFK interesting. Conspiracy. How could you not be interested? That's fascinating. It, it, of course, it's interesting and stuff like that. Well, it's he, not a conspiracy if it really happened. That's right. Uh, so true. It's not paranoia so, if they are out to get you. And, and if you <laughs> notice, like when you talk about a good conspiracy theory, uh, the people like the bar is set so low because when you talk to conspiracy theorists, it's like, well, what's the definition of a conspiracy? It's like, well, if something happens and more than one person is in on it, oh, well, that's like pretty much everything that has ever happened. Uh, but but uh, this you know. is how I, this is how I ended up singing Space Oddity at the end of last week's episode. <laughs> I, I'm convinced every week we record and then after we're done. Y'all have this side discussion. What did Van Horn say today that we can use against him? <laughs> you can you well, can deny it, but in my head, it's a sure thing. Uh-oh. So there was a book that uh, he recommended to me by uh, Jesse Ventura. I think it's sixty three reasons they shot our president. And I like Jesse uh, the Jesse Ventura, the wrestler slash former governor. Yeah, he he wrote it. He's re- like apparently he's really into the JFK stuff. So. 
um, he's got some interesting thoughts on it. And his book, I ended up downloading it on Audible and during some exercise, uh, listening to that book. And man, pretty much that book is all about every possible conspiracy theory rolled into one massive thing. He just like takes everything and like shoves it in a book and says, look, this is the reason that it was a conspiracy and stuff like that. But one of the things that uh, kind of shows many conspiracy theories for what they are is that once you back up far enough, you realize, hey, this is really not fitting the rest of the context. And I talked about that at the end of the episode with Ham. Like when you go with the, and not to keep talking about these things, but with the the assault, salt or castration view or something or like that. Or the voyeur view. Or the voyeurism. Yeah. Um, and I apologize for bringing that up again. But if you, if you go with that, that doesn't exactly, you know, fit with, you know, what's the context and stuff like that. I did hear somebody one time say that it was a, oh, it's a polemic because it's pushing back against the idea that the Greek god Kronos, uh, it, you know, he he did that action, you know, to his father Uranus and then, you know, and declared victory. And so it's a it's a trope out of the ancient world. So I've heard people talk about stuff like that. But when you look at just the themes and the patterns in the Bible, those first explanations that we looked at, they don't really go with anything. But it seems like this interpretation we're suggesting has some helpful patterns. And I think that's what I'd like to look at today. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially where I think it was you, Nathan, talking about how, you know, this is a moment right before another Tole Doth section oh, yeah. of the Bible. That's right. And so this is the worst, I think Nathan said it, this is the worst season finale ever. <laughs> on, 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 the, <laughs> on the most common reading it is. Yes. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I just reiterate, especially with Genesis 1 through 11, again, we're going from eternity past to about 2100 or 2000 BC in 11 chapters. These are highly selective, highly condensed, full of truth and meaning. And, and you know, just uh, these are spring loaded stories that are being included in this section of Genesis. Um, again, just look at narrative time. After uh, after one more totally doth formula, they're going to get a lot fewer and farther between, right? Well, it seems like in all those like superhero movies and fantasy movies that when, especially if it's creating a world that doesn't exist for you, there's always that first three minutes of the movie that gives you the it's ancient prologue. history. It's the prologue. prologue. Yeah. And it and it covers like thousands or millions of years. And then, okay, now we have the movie. So is that what you're saying that Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of functioning like prologue? Yeah, I, I would say that outright. I just kept uh, expecting Gandalf to like uh, lead off with the opening lines of Fellowship of the Ring right there. <laughs> I, I was going the to, but I've already heard this change. I, I can feel it in the water. I feel it in the water. <laughs> I'm like, it's been three episodes since he said something. I mean, yeah, that's right. Well, I, I've already referenced that exact opening like four times on this show, so right. I held well, my tongue. Y'all right. should know when I promote the podcast to other people, I'm like, if you if you listen from the start, the Lord of the Rings references do get fewer and farther between. That is, <laughs> that is that is the Toledoth formula of this podcast. <laughs> that, that's um, right. <laughs> but it raises an interesting point. When 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 that reference comes, you're not entirely 
caught off guard. You know that that's part of the rhythm of the show, right? And that's what mm. we're saying about Genesis, this this totally doth in every single one of these uh, spaces in between that formula that drives the story forward seems to have, uh, you know, a a coherent, complete narrative arc. And on the way that I used to read Genesis, uh, the end of Genesis nine, it it kind of lacked that. It's um, outlier. It's, it's an outlier. outlier. Yeah, but yeah. but once you once you dig deep, you not only see like we talked about last week, you not only see a lot of connections to the Old Testament. One of the things we want to talk about this week is you see a lot of what's being set up in Genesis itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from here going forward, I, I'm going to say it's safe to say we're talking about how this story influences our reading of things going forward. We're just going to go ahead and, and go forward, assuming that the uh, the option three that we discussed in previous episodes is the correct one, right? Are we mm. going to talk about how that interpretation yes. is influencing so it, the story? It's just kind of like uh, the sons of God, daughters of men. I mean, we acknowledge that there are other things, but we did land somewhere, and that's going yes. to color yeah. how we're going to, you know, uh, interpret other things. So going forward, and, we're, and by the we're, way, we're going never, to assume our interpretation is right, even though we're saying, hey, gosh, anybody can be wrong. Certainly That's us. it. Yeah, so the, this is... These are not line in the sand passages for us. We want to do our best to dig into language and context, and you know, and see what we can bring out, and hopefully have some decent reasons for landing where we do. But this is not saying, hey, if you land elsewhere on on this particular issue, then I will yeah. say, I think by the end of this episode, because of what we're going to talk about, I think people, I, I know, I was more persuaded by our interpretation as we talked about the patterns going forward in the story, and I think it'll be helpful. All right, Gandalf. So we keep talking about patterns, um, and I'm, I'm curious to hear you because you're part of these conversations each week. Um, what are some things in Genesis nine, not just in these verses, but the verses leading up to them? What are some things in Genesis nine that that makes you, at least looking backwards, say, "Hey, this seems to be connected to what has come before it," even though it's its own story in a real sense? What are some things that remind you of other stories you've heard? Well, uh, we left last episode off with this observation, but I can see here where there's there's this tra- uh, transgression that happens where somebody tries to usurp a position that was not meant for them, and we've mm, seen that several yeah, times several, in the first yep. nine chapters. Um, it's ta- like, and that usur- usurping is taking place on a mountaintop there of, it is. Divi- of divine nature, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Noah just didn't decide to build a giant boat on top of a mountain, right? Like, it was put there by divine intervention. Oh, good um, catch. And also, yeah, the trouble started with that dang old fruit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's there's multiple elements here. I, I feel like I'm the, the guy from the Pepe Silvia meme. Where he's like, he's got the cigarette. He's like, he's got the the conspiracy board with all the with all the red the red yarn matching everything together. That's how I feel right. reading the first nine. There's all. I mean, you, you've seen it in so many shows where like they'll discover a character in the show um, has been like tracking something or tracing something, and they like walk in on like the big conspiracy theory board, and there's always mm-hmm. that look on their faces without any need for audible dialogue. Wow. <laughs> This is really out of hand. I had no idea it was this bad. Yeah, beautiful um, mind. Uh, also, yeah, that's like it. Yeah, the, the I'm a, it's Mel Gibson's so conspiracy things. theory when Julia Roberts goes <laughs> goes down that hole, and then she's like, "Oh my gosh." Uh, yeah. The the funniest thing in, in the Mel Gibson one is uh, she's something I don't. It's been forever. I saw the movie once, but she says uh, one of your theories is true, and he goes, "Which one?" 
<laughs> That's oh, right. Man. I well, think you've covered it pretty well. Like, yeah, at I, least I, what I, would we've add, I would add to that, and this is probably included with your mention of the fruit. Um, I would add the nakedness, uh, or mm-hmm. p- possibly a, a connotation that something has gone wrong uh, sexually, a crossing a barrier. Matt likes to mention that oh. one, or crossing a boundary uh, that mm-hmm. was not intended for you, and that kind of all goes together. Um, to Matt's point earlier, again, I, I, I think there's strong things, you know, for our listeners, especially regular listeners. Man, if you think about some of what we've discussed, you can see those connections backward. But to Matt's point earlier, I think if you think about what we've discussed here, you can also see some strong connections pointing forward in the story that will help make sense of what is to come. You know, what was interesting is a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, this is back when Nathan was the non-believer uh, on this theory. <laughs> no, not that he was ever the non-believer. I, I, scratch that. Don't put that in there. No, no. Um, keep, keep, keep that in there. Just so the listeners hear that I am the least conspiracy theorist in this group. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, when it was initially when I had talked about it and said, hey, look, I think this is what this means. And it was like, hey, guys, like I've, I've just not explored this. Let's let's do some work and stuff like that. So one of the things that happened when you talk to your, some of your scholarship friends is that coming back and saying, hey, look, this rabbit hole goes it a little bit deeper. And during that scene, and you came back and said, hey, look, this rabbit hole goes a little bit deeper. It was during that time that I started thinking about like how this story carries forward. And I was thinking about other stories. And then we started riffing off of each other. So one of the things that came to mind for me is like, hey, is there another story? And there's several. But the first one that came to mind, is there another story in the Bible or more specifically in Genesis? Moving forward. Where something shady happens. Yeah. Yeah, moving forward happens on a mountain um, in a cave dwelling, tent dwelling or something between a parent and a child that involves wine or drink and then produces some form of illegitimate offspring? And the answer to that question is, yes, Yes. there is. And it comes out of Genesis 19 (laughs) after... Gandalf, meanwhile, Gandalf is sitting there quietly thinking, you, you would not have given it that many qualifiers if the answer weren't yes. <laughs> Dude, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, actually, no, there are no stories There like are that. no stories like that at all. Um, well, when but you I just that, threw it when all you out there. that last criterion. Uh, that's right. But it makes me think of the story of Lot and his daughters. Mm. So oh, most of, I know. And so now I will say the whole thing about Lot and his daughters that also felt like a little bit of an outlier too. Like, why is that thrown in there? Because by the way, this is the last time we hear of Lot. He just disappears. It's it's done. He's gone. What so an interesting. That's an interesting point. It's the last yeah. time you hear about Lot. <laughs> and what this a way is also to get the last off. time we hear about Ham outside of the genealogy. Mm. So what's interesting is who Lot is. Is he is the nephew of Abraham. So Lot's uh, dad had died, and then Abram, at the time when he left Haran and went down into Canaan, he didn't have a, a uh, an heir. An heir, that's right. And so he took Lot along with him, and you then know, eventually I feel bad for Lot because he gets left out of that song that Father Abraham had many sons and one nephew, but Lot was not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sing that next BBS. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Poor but Lot. anyway, so so Lot 
Yeah, Lot was a nephew. And he's, if you remember, their herds grow, and we're going to get to this eventually, but he and Abraham have to part ways, and Lot ends up moving his tents towards Sodom and eventually moves into Sodom, and we'll get into that whole episode when we get there. But after the story, when Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, and Lot is fleeing from the destruction, you remember his wife turns into a pillar of salt because she looks back at the destruction. Oh, wait a second looks back and saw something she wasn't supposed to. Maybe that's something connected here. Remember that Japheth and Shem refused to look back. That could be a theme here. But leading to... Well, and, look, when, and looking in general. Yeah, uh, looking you know, in general. Garden, Garden of Eden, when they saw, you know... Oh, yeah. Uh, sons of God saw the daughters of men. Oh, I mean, there's, there's, that's a big recurring thing. Yeah. Oh, and, that's and good. Where is, and where is this taking place, Matt? Do tell. Well, it's taking place on a mountain. So they oh. they flee Sodom to the mountains, and they first they try to make it to Zoar, and then they end up spending the night in a cave. And it's a really weird story about uh, cave relations uh, between uh, father and his daughters, which is like really weird and bizarre. Another one of those never made the children's book stories, but. What happens is, is they get to Zoar and he lived in the hills with his two daughters because they were afraid to live in Zoar, according to the text. And so they lived in a cave and the firstborn said to the younger, the two daughters, our father is old. And by the way, this is Genesis 19. Our father is old and there's not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. Does this sound familiar? And Uh-oh. we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day, the firstborn said to the younger, behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us Make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus, both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The first bore a son and called his name. Listen to this. This is important. Moab. Then or and he is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. So is it that interesting? Is pretty much Israel's best friends in the Old Testament. <laughs> best yeah. friends, exactly. The they Moabites and the Ammonites are constant problems for the Israelites, just like the Canaanites. That's right. So hey. these Illegitimate children cause problems. Well, and you know what's so interesting to me is that when the Moabites lead Israel astray, it's during the wilderness when Israel is on the way to take hold of their possession. Oh, that's right. And how do they lead them astray? With sexual sin. Mm. So this is like, this is a straight... It's in their spiritual DNA. Like once was weird. But now twice, this is just like a trope in the Bible, right? Yeah, can, like that's it. Can I, and, and to me, it gets it gets even more interesting than that. Um, so uh, we focus on where uh, Lot and his daughters fled from, uh, fled to, 
let me repeat that. We focused on where uh, Lot and his uh, daughters fled to. Right. We didn't say much about where they fled from. Um, mm. From Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Sure. But we don't oh. have to. We oh. don't have to wait until the Lot story to hear about it. You hear about it in Genesis chapter ten. In Genesis chapter ten, fifteen, following it says Canaan uh, fathered uh, Sidon or Sidon, his firstborn, mm-hmm. and Heth. And the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zimrites. By the way, many of these are among those seven nations that keep coming up again as big enemies of Israel in the Old Testament. Afterward, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed, and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and as far as Lasha. So Sodom and Gomorrah right there. What you're saying is like these were the descendants. Like Sodom was the descendants of this whole ham... Canaan business, and it's and it's they even, came from that, and it's even bigger than that. Like the guy who was most skeptical about this view is now the crazed conspiracist on the show. <laughs> Again, <laughs> compare it to the Noah saga as a whole, not just what happens with Ham. How did the Noah saga get off the rails? The sons of God going and the daughters of men. Uh, our take on that was heavenly beings uh, seeking relationships with humans. What goes wrong in Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, exactly. They exactly they were lusting the after the, the they were lusting after yeah, the men so you who ha- were angels. Yeah, so you have a it's it's like the beginning of that has a Genesis six connection, and and the end of that where uh, Lot's daughters, uh, you know, get him intoxicated and then have children with him, mirrors the end of the Noah story. I think that's a fascinating link because it's it's not piecemeal. It, it, you it covers right. the whole narrative arc there. Mm. Well, th- man, this touches on something that I'm seeing in a new light that Matt talked about, and that's the, in- the how much emphasis is placed on like se- uh, sexual law in Leviticus, and talking oh, about yeah. you know, and again, you know, the first the first concrete example is not with your parent. Yeah, because it's almost like, hey, man, do you want more of this? We already know what happened last time. All these other times, you mm. want more of these guys running around. Right. So it, it makes sense that they're particular, particularly adverse to that sort of behavior. Now, also what's interesting is the motivation for Lot's daughters. And it, it was not a sexual motivation. It was a, a progeny. Like it was how, how do we maintain our father's line? How do we make sure that our father is still going to have a name on the earth? It was all about inheritance. And if you tie that back mm-hmm. into what we talked about, why did Ham do this? Well, it's not just it's not just a sexual thing. It's it's about preserving or it's in about Ham's who case, inherits the earth. Taking taking inheritance or stealing inheritance, that type of thing. And uh, and uh, and we know, gosh, we know inheritance and family names are a big deal because of all the Tilladoth genealogies. I mean, there's a reason Including those the things one are there. right after this passage, yeah. And and just something that is just stunningly obvious, like what are all the lands named in the Old Testament? Every land is named after a family. So, like inheritance plays a big deal with land and uh the na- family name plays a big deal with land. So, I I do think that there's a trope here and the trope is whenever somebody offers you a drink on a mountain, 
run, run, run. <laughs> especially, <laughs> because, if it's a, especially if it's a fruity drink. Yeah, the, <laughs> but but I was also thinking about like reading Genesis while living the Exodus. That's so it. So That's it. like for instance, I can think of another thing of so. Noah was a no-show because he was drunk in the tent, so Ham took things into his own hands. Is that something that occurs in the Exodus, that the leader was a no-show for a while, and then they take things into their own hands and it leads them into sexual sin? That's exactly what happened at Sinai. When Moses went up on the mountain and he was a no-show for a little while, and then they were led into idolatry and drinking, partying, all, all and, kinds of stuff. And by the way, that will continue to happen. One of Saul's greatest blunders as king is oh, he yeah. stops waiting for Samuel to get there to offer sacrifice. That's uh, right. I mean, there's so. I mean, these things just keep coming up. Uh, and and again, one of the reasons they keep coming up is because when they see these cluster, it, it's in other words, you could take it two ways. In other words, you can take it two ways. You could say that they're adapting the way that they tell their story to make it evoke these things, or you could say that the stories that we have are so memorable and focal for them precisely because they bring up these key uh, emphases over and over again. Uh, and well, I, I, I'm, I'm in that second camp. It's it's So identifying the trope here, like what we see here, we see... Now Genesis 9 as a, hey, maybe this is going to reoccur again, and it does. And so hopefully today it's been helpful to, to see some patterns. And and gosh, there are probably some that we're not even thinking of that you are thinking of right now. And yeah, again, they're screaming, they're screaming like, at their phone right now. Like, this one? They're not mentioning this one. <laughs> Say my favorite crazy story. Yeah, in, in my mind, in my mind, the grand conspiracy theory is we, we draw attention to these things and eventually people get so uh, trained to read the Bible through through those lenses that they stop listening to us all at once, all together, because they're like, yep, yeah, I know what they're going to say before they said it. And yeah. that would that would thrill us. We're still going to record, right. but that but that would thrill us. So, hey, if we, if uh, we miss one anything, other thing, let us know. though, if I, to throw one other thing in there is that, uh, and by the way, for those of you who don't know this about Nathan, Nathan is a New Testament scholar. He did his PhD in the book of Romans. And so, one of the things, and I've gotten the privilege of hearing much of his PhD material as we've talked through the years. Sc- scholar <laughs> might be a bold term. All right. Smart guy. All right. So, Anyway, one of the things that is emphasized in Romans and that Nathan and I have talked about extensively is the big deal of Abraham's faith. That, mm. I mean, that is huge. That is absolutely huge. So how does Abraham's story break the trope of unfaithfulness on a mountain with illegitimate offspring? He breaks the trope by exercising faithfulness on the mountain with his offspring, and because of it, God blesses not only him, but his his progeny all after him. So th- you have both Oh, there's so work. much more to say, but for the sake of time, I won't. I yeah. know. It's so good. Yeah, we, we are running out of time. But um, rest assured, we will continue to talk about this. Because if there's two tropes that you can rely on, 
with the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast is one is pointing out these reoccurring patterns out. And the second is me reminding you to like and subscribe this, <laughs> to this podcast on no, no matter what device or platform you're listening. And we will be back next week to point more of these tropes out. Until then, you guys have a great week and we'll see you later. Talk to you next time. Shalom. All right. I'm stopping. You'll have things you'll want to talk about. We will too. Stopping. <laughs>